Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Savile matching his way into Horford. Shot clock at three. Butler with Brogdon on him. It's a long three. And good. Puts it in. <laughs> Try the reverse. Rebound Horford. Tatum takes the three. Another travel. Another travel. That's three turnovers in, what, about three minutes, Reggie? LeBron and Anthony Davis. Long three-pointer. James just cannot connect on the three. 0 for 5 tonight. The Lakers, 5 for 25. 0-2. Merrill Kelly make it nine strikeouts. Two outs in the seventh. There it was. That changeup down in the strike zone just kind of fades out. The bottom drops out of it. He's really found the feel for that pitch over his last five, six starts. To the Harden. Good look for three. Off the mark. Fight for the rebound. Marcus Smart. Bad pass. As the Cardinals lead by six. There's a swing and a high fly ball. This one might go to center field. It is going to be a home run. A home run as that just gets out of here. Nolan Gorman, a two-home run night. Still two and two to Lindor. Lefty Young deals. Swing and a drive. Well hit to left. This ball's going a long way into the upper deck in left field. A two-run homer for Francisco Lindor. And now the Mets trail by just one. Pitch. Slider drilled into left field. Way back on it. Garlic looks up. And it is good! A grand slam for Xander Bogarts. It just got out over the wall in left center field, and it's 4-0 Red Sox. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Friday, May 19th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. Boston in Miami. Who you got tonight? ATS at Boston. LeBron James, does he shoot too many threes? The Diamondbacks, do they win the weekend series at Pittsburgh? The Sixers, would Nick Nurse be a good coaching fit? The NL Central, who wins the division? The MLB Marquee, which weekend series are you most looking forward to? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction to today's pipeline. 9.15 or so, a Celtics and Heat Game 2 preview. Keith Smith will join us from Celtics Blog. 9.30 will be interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. That will include a Diamondbacks-Pirates series preview. The final segment of the Sports Zone will be the national roundup. Top by the latest line and also from the scoreboard. Then after the Sports Zone, from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include a Preakness preview with uh, Sean Alvarez. On to the pipeline we go. 
Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with a KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, who you got tonight, ATS at Boston? The Celtics minus nine or the Miami Heat plus nine? And Kayla has the early returns. The masses are on the Celtics minus nine side of things at 67% of the vote. Heat plus nine at 33%. Wow. Okay. Laying all those points, the masses. All right. Uh, the Celtics are four and four straight up at home this postseason. While uh, Miami, after the second half rally, uh, they win 123 116 in game one. They're looking to win both games in Boston. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question Does LeBron James shoot too many three pointers? And Kayla, what do we have here? 100% of the vote is on the yes side of things. This is on Twitter Ooh. at KDUS AM 1060. Well, certainly uh, based on last night, uh, he was 0 for 5 from behind the arc in the 108-103 Lakers game 2 loss at Denver. He is 0 for 9 in the two losses at Denver in this series. He is shooting 25% from behind the arc in 13 playoff games this postseason. In addition to the Twitter poll question, do the Lakers win game three in Los Angeles? Do they win it on Saturday night? They're like a four-point favorite for a point spread reference. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks, uh, they uh, begin uh, leg, leg two, I guess we'll call it, of their three-city road trip tonight at Pittsburgh. Of course, they won two out of three at Oakland. Zach Gallon's on the mound tonight after this three-game series in Pittsburgh. They stay in the state of Pennsylvania and play a series at Philadelphia against the unpredictable from day-to-day Philadelphia Phillies. Will the Diamondbacks win the three-game series this weekend at Pittsburgh? Meanwhile, spanning the globe and ripped from the headlines, the 76ers scheduled an interview with Nick Nurse for their head coaching opening. Would Nurse be a good uh, coaching fit for the 76ers? Meanwhile, on the diamond, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals have won nine of their last 11 games. They hit seven home runs last night, including two from Valley product Nolan Gorman in the 16-8 victory over the Dodgers. Who wins the NL Central? Little FYI, after the awful start, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals are now just nine games behind the first-place Milwaukee Brewers. Meanwhile, on the week, uh, the weekend marquee, the MLB weekend includes quite a few interesting series. Baltimore, Toronto, Cleveland's at the Mets. I include this because this is Francisco Lindor versus his fa- former team. And also Boston at San Diego. This is Xander Bogarts uh, going against his former team in the Red Sox. So what weekend MLB series are you most looking forward to? It doesn't have to be one of those three. But those are the three that kind of stood out to me. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else uh, caught your eye since our last show all the way back to yesterday? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous questions and topics and who knows what else during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or Twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this.
right, coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That'll be followed by a Celtics Heat Game 2 preview. Keith Smith scheduled to join us from Celtics blog. Needless to say, the Celtics uh, not good at home, especially in these playoffs. Four and four at home straight up. Again, you know, it's even worse against the spread, but it's four and four straight up so far. What's the deal with that? And uh, don't forget, once again, at the bottom of the hour, we'll have phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also get to some local roundup topped by a Diamondbacks and Pirates series preview. And also, in that local roundup, strategically placed at some point, uh, there's a certain high school in the state of Arizona that won yet another state baseball championship this week. Uh, so we'll point that out, too. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Celtics 4-4 four four at home this postseason. They need to win tonight in Boston to avoid falling down 0-2 in the Eastern Conference Final against the Heat. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Keith Smith, the Celtic blog. And Keith, good to have you back on the show again. Let's get right to it. What's up with the Celtics at home this postseason? Yeah, I, I don't have a good answer for that one. I don't think they do either. I think uh, this Celtics team, I, I don't think they're purposely making things as hard as possible on themselves over the last couple of playoff runs, but they certainly don't seem to mind it. They, they just, you know, they, they kind of go out there, they play relaxed in games where you would think they'd be all fired up and ready to go. And then next thing you know, they're, they're trying to have to dig themselves out of a hole. They've been successful, but at some point that luck is going to run out. Are there some metrics, old time, new time, any time metrics that kind of back up their home court issues so far? No, not really. It's all different things. Sometimes they, they lose and they don't uh, shoot well. Other times they lose and they do shoot well. Sometimes they've lost and defended well. Other times they've lost and haven't played defense. There, there's no real uh, you know, rhyme or reason to it other than it's just that they, they don't come out and play when they should with the right level of focus and detail and energy and, and all the sorts of things that you would think you would have at this point in the playoffs. And, you know, that's not a problem for the Miami Heat. They're going to come out and play focused. They're going to play hard. They, they, they're not going to have to, you know, wonder. They may not always play well, but they're always going to play hard and pay attention to details and those kind of things. For Boston, it just gets a little messy and sideways on them uh, when, when they relax in these games. Jason Tatum, he goes from 51 points in Game 7 to zero fourth-quarter points in Game 1 three days later. Is that a coaching issue of not getting him the ball enough, or is that him not producing when he actually does have the ball? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I think, um, you know, there were times where he was just kind of a bystander, and at those points, that's where, you know, from the sideline, you'd like to see a play call that's designed to, you know, get him a touch. Or, you know, you want to see him kind of come up and demand the ball and say, hey, I'm going to get him, like, give it to me. Um, it's going to run through me. But then when he did do that uh, towards the end of game one, 
he had three turnovers, you know, three bad turnovers uh, in, in crunch time in that game, and and that's you know a problem too. So you know he can be either great and completely unstoppable as he was in the fourth quarter of Game Six against Philadelphia, as he was in the entirety of Game Seven against Philadelphia, and then there's other times when he's just not so good. So it was a tough, uh, tough, tough time to see it in Game One in this one. You mentioned the uh, you know maybe run some stuff for him. You know, I've only seen really the Celtics, you know, continually in the postseason. Doesn't seem like they do that a lot. Uh, is that an accurate assessment on my part? Yeah, I think that's fair. Their, their offense is not a um, overly scripted one. They, they have more concepts that, that they use, which are, you know, all right, we want to attack a team in this way. And then part of what they do is they, they trust that they're always going to have at least three, if not four guys on the floor. Uh, occasionally even five that can make a play with the ball in their hand. So it's kind of concept, read and react, and, and go. And that, that's where they kind of want to go with that. They, they don't run a lot of scripted stuff. But they're not unlike most teams in that sense. Very few teams run, you know, very you know, scripted stuff all the time in the half court. The days of the point guard brings it up, looks over, and the coach calls a play, those days are just mm. about gone. That would be true, no doubt. Key Smith, the Celtic blog, currently in the sports zone. All right, the Celtics defense. I remember we talked about this when we had you on before earlier in the playoffs, but they've had some not-so-good playoff performances. Obviously, the third quarter in game one against Miami falls into that category. So why has the defense struggled more than expected, I think it's safe to say, during this postseason? Yeah, I think a lot of it is they don't have that same continuity as they had a year ago. They're getting some of that back with, with Rob Williams being back in the opening group and being available every game. But it took them a long time to kind of get back into that flow as a group uh, with that. I think they, you know, this this game, it was weird. They're generally a pretty good transition team as far as getting back. And in that third quarter, they were awful about getting back on defense. And that's not that just, you know, you're getting fast breaks to death, but it's also – not getting back, getting in the right matchups. And then Miami, you know, their team, if they get a matchup they like, they're going to go to it over and over and over again. And part of how they were getting to those matchups was getting out and running and playing against the non-set defense. So, you know, that was a big thing where the Celtics fell apart. And some of that was they weren't getting shots to go down. So they couldn't set the defense. They were turning it over. They couldn't, you know, set the defense on those plays. So that, that gave them a little bit of trouble. And then, you know, the disappointing thing in that quarter especially was they also didn't take care of their own glass. They let Miami get, I believe it was four offensive rebounds, and that's in a quarter where I think they only missed nine total shots. So that's not very good either. So that, that's another wow. big uh, problem for, for the Celtics. That quarter was just an absolute disaster. Yeah, and actually, you, you, I didn't really realize this until I listened to the post-game press conference after that game one, but you know, they've had some third-quarter issues. What's up with that? Yeah, the third quarter issue, it's weird. It feels like it's one of those things that is a little more real than it is because when they are bad, it tends to be really bad. They've, for the most part, ironed those out um, over the last couple of seasons. They've done okay. Their bigger problem is they like to talk a lot about, well, we won three quarters of the game. And my thing is, that sounds good. But when you get demolished in the, the, the one quarter you didn't win, it doesn't really matter that you won the other two you know, by a total of six, eight points or whatever, when you're losing these, these you know, one by 20-plus points. Like, like, no no one really cares. Like, like that's, you know, to me, I, I said this like, almost exactly a year ago, 
and had even forgotten I said it, but that's a little bit of, you know, hey, so other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like to play? Like, <laughs> right. who cares about the rest of it? Yeah, Missoula used that. We won three of the quarters thing the other night. They got outscored, what, 44 to 25 or whatever it was in the third quarter. The other quarter, I was just shaking my head watching this. How about you? Yeah, same thing. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me that, like, you know, you're going to talk about winning, you know, quarters. Like, last I checked, this is not one of those goofy summer league systems where they used to do it where it was <laughs> you got a point for winning a quarter and, right. you know, a point for this and a point for that, and then that's how – you added up who actually won the game. The total is all that matters. So, you know, I don't know a team in the league that would, you know, be upset about losing three quarters by a point if then, you know, the one quarter they needed to win by four points. As long as they did that and if they won it by more, even better. Like, it only matters what the yeah. end score is. You know, that's I forgot about those. I was at some of those summer league games in Las yeah. Vegas back in the day, where it was some of the strangest stuff. You barely even knew what the hell was going on. And who won that? Who wins the game? <laughs> what happened yep. there? <laughs> All right, you mentioned Robert Williams. So Robert Williams and Al Horford finally started together, and night surprisingly, the Celtics won game five, six and seven against the Sixers. But this is a whole different series, different matchup. Should they be starting together in this series against the Heat? Yeah, I question if they should be because what you do when you start Robert Williams, you give them kind of a, either a place to let Bam Adebayo float or a place to hide Kevin Love. So one or the other, that that's what they're doing. And it's kind of been they started it out with Kevin Love guarded Al Horford, who you know Al Horford's still a very good player, still can do a lot of things. But on offense, he, he tends to be much more of a spot-up guy. So it's not really taxing Kevin Love all that much. And then that put Bam Adebayo on Rob Williams, and then he could float off him. When they switched those up, because Boston went to, all right, we're going to do more with Horford as a playmaker and an offense initiator, they just switched it up, and then Love was hiding on Rob Williams. If you go small, Love now has to guard someone out of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or maybe Marcus Smart. Um, you know, said that's the way you're going to go. Uh, maybe Derek White, and that's just not going to go well uh, for him. And you don't want to put Bam out of bio on any of those guys because that's just inviting early foul trouble potentially. And you're taking him away from being down inside the paint where he's the only rim protector you have. So, so it really, you know, Boston's almost kind of playing in their hands. Now, game one, fully expected it because they won game six and seven. And very few coaches are willing to go away from something that just worked. They're always going to lean on, well, it works, so we're going to stick with it. My guess is they probably run it back out there one more because I think it is getting a little overblown. They didn't get killed in game one. They were right there at the end of the game with a chance to still win it. So I think Missoula's probably going to say, hey, we play better. The matchups are what they are. We just need to execute and play better. So I think we'll roll it back out. But if it doesn't go well in game two, you may see a change to that starting group. Talking with Keith Smith, the Celtic blog. Okay, so okay. let's uh, start at the defensive end. How should the Celtics try to slow down Jimmy Butler, who's without a doubt been the best Eastern Conference player in this offseason? Yeah, this postseason, excuse me. Not the offseason, but the postseason. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't get cute with him. They tried uh, doing some stuff to open the game where they pre-switched actions, so they started with a big on Jimmy Butler. And Miami went into their normal pick and roll. And then the next possession, Jimmy Butler was like, wait a minute, just get out of here. I don't need the screen. I've already got the guy I want to go against. Um, so you just got to you know, lock in. And I think you know, against him specifically, 
you know, mix up your coverages, trap him on occasion, you know, double team him when he comes off one of these screen actions. When he's off the ball, try to get up and play ball denial. Don't let it get to him. Uh, if he's running in a pick and roll, you can play back, you know, go, go under the screen and invite him to shoot jump shots. Now, if he starts pulling up from 15 feet, you're going to have to change up that coverage. But if he's sitting out around the arc, you lose because Jimmy Butler makes a whole bunch of pull-up three-pointers. You kind of tip your cap and move on because that's not his game. He doesn't really want to take them. He wants to get 15 to 18 feet in and shoot. But you just can't get cute. you got to get up on him. And then you can't overreact to the other guys. I mean, Miami shot the lights up. They, they, they probably will not shoot that well again. My guess is in this series. Uh, you know, up over 50% from the floor and 50% from three. So just kind of, you'll be a little bit more under control with your closeouts, a little bit tighter to the shooters, and you're probably going to be all right. Okay, so as far as the series is concerned, what are some other key matchups in your mind? Yeah, i got to get Jalen Brown going um, early in the game, especially if they're going to try to defend him with someone like Max Struess. You, you just can't allow that. Struess isn't bad, but he, he can't defend. You know, I would like to see... You know, let's get Tatum going. Let, let's get the guards downhill a little bit more, get, get them moving, not always to score. because That was a big problem. This played out very similarly to game one in the Philadelphia series, the game where Joel Embiid didn't play. Celtics ran a layup line to the rim in the first half. They did that, and then when Miami shut that off, it was like they couldn't adjust back to who they normally are. They, their game is driving tips. You know, get to the paint and get it out to find a shooter. I think you're going to see them emphasize getting shots up from the perimeter a lot more, but you want to get those in the right way. Get the ball moving, get inside, draw the defense, get them cycling versus, you know, pull up jump shots off the screens and those sort of things. So that that's the kind of basketball I expect to see out of Boston tonight. Okay. In addition to that, you know, what are some other things that at least early in the game that you're going to be looking for and seeing if there's some changes or, you know, some things that you think should be changed? Yeah, can they force Miami to play Kevin Love off the floor? Uh, can they get Bam Adebayo in file trouble? If you can do either one of those things, you're going to be in a better place because you'll be able to get inside on them that much more. Um, so I think that's something you know for the Celtics. And can you get Jason Tatum you know, going and then maintain it all the way through? So I think you're going to see them do everything they can to kind of lock up. And then defensively, just are they a lot more engaged and focused? They lost cutters. They lost shooters. They, they, they blew some stuff because, uh, again, I think they tried to make it too complicated and get too quick with, or cute with, with the, their coverages. So if you can lock in and do your thing, I think, I think they'll move on uh, well here. I think, you know, much like a year ago, Boston got beat in a very similar fashion. They were up at halftime. Miami had a huge third quarter. They couldn't close the deal. And the Heat won game one. And then game two, the Celtics came out and absolutely blitzed them and destroyed them. That's what happened in the Philadelphia series. I think that's a chance how this could be how this plays out tonight. I think you know, you're going to get a really good effort from the Celtics because that's generally what we get when they're in a must-win spot. Okay, so along those lines, you know, the, the betting markets are all over the Celtics in this game. They're up to nine, nine and a half in some locations. Would you uh, feel comfortable laying the nine, nine and a half in game two? Yeah, I don't, I don't gamble, so I would never be comfortable especially on this team, because they, they, they might be up 10 with, you know, a minute to go and then throw the ball away three straight times and still win and not cover. So I, I wouldn't ever be overly comfortable with them. But I do think there's a chance that they win this one going away and it's not really close in the end. And I still think they're going to win the series. You know, I picked them 
to win in seven because I just knew even if the talent cap says that they should win in probably four or five, if the Celtics not taking care of business and Miami being that good and that much respect for Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra and that crew, that's why I picked Celtics in seven. So I still feel fine with that pick, but that's only, you know, provided they get it done tonight. You can't, you can't go down 0-2 going on the road, uh, you know, and then really expect to come back and win a series. Last up, you know, Joe Mazzula. There's no question he was put in an interesting, I wouldn't say an, a difficult situation because he had tremendous, you know, return. He had tremendous talent uh, when he in, inherited the head coaching job or got the head coaching job right before the season started. Certainly been under criticism in this postseason, including for me. Um, if this doesn't work out for them, if they get eliminated in this series, is there a chance that he's not back next year? I don't know what Brad Stevens' role in all this is. Uh, how does all that work, and how might it work if uh, the Celtics don't make it to the finals? I would say highly, highly unlikely. They, they, when they gave him the full-time job in February, they reportedly came with a contract extension too. So they, they're locked into him. They basically have said, you know, over and over again, hey, just like Ime Udoka a year ago, he is learning and figuring it out. And he's doing it with a weakened staff. You know, he one, you know, you lose your head coach. Now the assistant has to come up. So he doesn't replace himself. Uh, their top assistant from a year ago, Will Hardy, took the Utah Jazz job. They only kind of replaced him. Then uh, his Missoula's top guy became Damon Sotomayor, and he left the team in April. So they're really working with, you know, a lesson staff. Um, my guess is he's probably doing more as far as the day-to-day game planning stuff than any head coach in the league. I think fans would be surprised if they knew how little the head coach builds the full game plan out. He's much more of an administrator and manager at that level mm-hmm. than they are a, you know, detail. They're the one breaking it all down. They're making the decision, but that's coming generally from the assistants. But because – they're, 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 they have so few assistants because of the way the year has played out. You know, Missoula's doing a lot, but I, I think, you know, barring, you know, a sweep and they lose the next three games by 30-plus points, I'd be shocked if he's not the coach next year. And even then, I think he's going to be there. Most most ownership groups will not greenlight paying a guy two, three, four years uh, of salary yeah. to not coach for them. Yeah, Brad Stevens. Uh, you know, well, we know Missoula is certainly into the metrics. Is, is Brad Stevens into the metrics, and how much does he participate in the pregame, trying to figure out maybe if there is going to be a lineup change, for instance? Uh, so the first part, Barry, um, he's been that guy since he was at Butler, and that was a big part of what attracted him uh, to the Celtics. You know, when the Celtics were looking to hire a coach, they wanted someone who was going to embrace the analytics and where the league was heading but as far as you know managing the team day to day no no nothing at all he has said you know hey i'm here when joe has a question for me but he doesn't insert himself that way he he basically told a story i want to say was in december or so uh where he said look i didn't want you know i always wanted danny Ainge there if i had a question and danny was always there to help out but i didn't need Mm -hmm. danny coming into my locker room and trying to run things and he said, I'm not going to do that to Joe Missoula either. He didn't do it to Ime Udoka. It's, you know, I'm here if you need me. But, you know, for the most part, I've got other things to do. And he's talking about it at this time of year. He's scouting. He's at the draft combine. He's doing all that sort of stuff. And he's like, I just, you know, that's not my job. I'm not the coach anymore. So he's not going to be, you know, in there telling Joe Missoula, change the lineup, do this, do that. I'm sure if he has, gets a question from him, he's going to give him his opinion. But he is not running the team that way anymore. 
All right, Keith, I appreciate the time. Why don't you tell everybody how they can get a hold of your stuff? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at KeithSmithNBA, everything I write uh, covering the Celtics. So it gets tweeted out there, everything. Uh, we're deep into off-season preview work over on Spot Track with all the salary cap work, ton of stuff still to come there. We've got a whole bunch more team previews to come, free agency stuff, all sorts of stuff. This is uh, the busiest time of year covering games as well as ramping up uh, for off-season coverage. So, you know, but it's a lot of fun. Okay, one last last question. Are, are the Suns screwed? <laughs> the way to think, salary cap-wise, player-wise, you know, they've got some issues and some interesting decisions to make here to the Pierce. Yeah, I think you, you can run this group back to an extent. You've got to flush out your depth a little bit this summer, but you can run them back um, you know, one more season with, with this group and feel pretty good about that. But what you can't do is you know, lock in for the next three, four years because you know, having a hundred plus million locked up in, you know, just a handful of guys in the new CBA, it's going to be really hard to build a team that way. They're going to be very limited. Now they've got flexibility with Chris Paul's contract and they can kind of get out of that, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what direction I think, you know, we're all getting a sense of, all right, it's new owner in town, right? And it's, you know, he's going to want to do things a certain way and that's not uncommon. That's how it kind of goes with every new ownership group. So we'll see if we start seeing a lot of major changes coming coming uh, there in Phoenix. But I, I think you're going to see a roster that maybe doesn't look super different on the top end, but I think you're going to see a lot of pieces and parts change. And then if they fall short again uh, this coming season, then I think you'll start seeing major changes up top as well. Keith, great stuff. Appreciate all the information. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Keith Smith, Celtic blog, and everything else that he mentioned there at the end. Next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also today's local roundup. That will include a Diamondbacks and Pirates series preview. Then we'll wrap up the sports zone with uh, the national roundup. The usual routine there. Get to us a little bit from the uh, the game last night with the, uh, with the Nuggets taking a 2-0 lead in the Western Conference Final against the Lakers. And get to some latest line info for today and beyond. Then don't forget the extra point uh, hosted by Caleb from 10 to noon. And uh, that'll include a Preakness preview today. So that's uh, an added bonus for you is uh, the second leg of the Triple Crown is uh, this weekend. And we'll get to that at, at uh, some strategical point and uh, the extra point today. You're listening right now to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to get in 602 260 1060. If you'd like to participate, we got time and room for you right now on to today's local roundup the diamondbacks begin a three-game series tonight at pittsburgh the 25 and 19 diamondbacks second in the nl west the pirates are 23 and 20 they're second in the nl central that 23 and 20 record includes a recent stretch of losing 10 of the uh, 12 games on to the pitching matchups for the weekend the scheduled pitching matchups you never know from one day to the next but at least as of right now 
Uh, tonight at uh, 3.35 Arizona time, Zach Gallen scheduled to face Johan Acevedo. Uh, Oviedo, excuse me. Uh, the Diamondbacks 7-2 and two and Gallon's 9 starts this season. He is 6-1 and one with a 235 earned run average. His whip uh, is a 0.086, which is outstanding for a starting pitcher. Gallon also ranks among the National League leaders in starts. He's tied for first with 9. Strikeout to walk ratio, he's second in 8.75. He's second in innings pitched among starters. Or anybody, really. Obviously, relievers aren't going to pitch 57.1 innings at this time of the year. He's also tied for second in wins with six. He's fourth in strikeouts with 70. He's fourth in whip. I mentioned the 0.86. He is tied for fifth with the fewest walks with eight. And uh, earned run average at eight. He's eighth in that at 235. So he's been unbelievable this year. In career starts against the Pirates... Uh, hardly any of the guys uh, that are on this Pirates team were in the previous career starts, but he is 2-3 and three with a 614 or run average and a whip of 164, so not pitched his best against the Pirates. Uh, easy park to pitch in, so we'll see uh, how that goes tonight. Oviedo, who's been good and bad. I mean, he's had some really impressive starts. He's had some starts where he got just really destroyed. On the season, collectively, he's 2-3 and three with a 614 or run average. His whip at 164 is really high, so we'll see how it happens that with, uh, with that tonight. All right, Saturday at 105. We've got three games here for three-game series and three different starting times. Uh, tomorrow's 105 Arizona time. Brandon Fott makes his uh, fourth Major League start. He's had three so far, two bad and one good. He's scheduled to face... Uh, the uh, Pirates tomorrow. The Pirates are not listing a pitcher last I saw for tomorrow, so we'll go like undecided at this point. Sunday morning at 10.35 Arizona time. It'll be Merrill Kelly against Rowenzi Contreras. I'm kind of intrigued with Contreras. Was last year uh, up and down this year, kind of like the Pirates, really. I know the Pirates uh, got off to a tremendous start and were a big surprise. Then they lost every game in a seven-game trip. Uh, to Tampa, got swept at Tampa, then got swept at Baltimore. They take out those seven games, and they've been pretty good. But you include those seven games, they're pretty mediocre. So we'll see what's going on. The Diamondbacks, after winning the two out of three at Oakland, are 11-9 on the road. Uh, they are be- far better than above average at the plate, national uh, league-wide, actually in, in baseball-wide. Uh, they have a five, for instance, they have a 441 slugging percentage. That's seventh best in baseball. That's very good. The Diamondbacks and Pirates also have one of the most underrated players in baseball, in my opinion, uh, each side. Christian Walker, eight home runs uh, so far this for this, uh, this for, so, me, eight doubles and 11 home runs so far this season. A lot of extra base hits. Brian Reynolds, he of the recent contract extension. Uh, he has been an extra base machine so far. 15 doubles, a triple, and five home runs. And he's hitting 296 for the Pirates. As far as the last 10 games, uh, Gabriel Moreno, he's been really good. Uh, 14 of 35, two doubles, uh, has uh, you know, three runs batted in over the last 10 games, so a high average. Andrew McCutcheon is back with the Pirates. He is, uh, in his last 10 games, 9 for 34 with a couple of home runs. Team-wise, over the last 10 games, Diamondbacks 6-4. They have a 271 batting average over that uh, time span. 
332 earned run average, and they've outscored her opponents by six runs. The Pirates over the last 10 games, just three and seven. Their batting average in the last 10 games has been putrid, 204. They do have a good earned run average over these last 10 games at 383, uh, but they've out, been outscored by 20 runs. That, that included, you know, some of that was to the tail end of that horrendous week in which they got swept at uh, Tampa and got swept at Baltimore. Meanwhile, uh, we've, uh, we haven't visited, revisited or talked about the uh, Diamondbacks disabled list situation lately. Maybe I should have talked about this more, and I, uh, certainly their pitching issues. This has something to do with it. You know, Joe Mantiply now being on the injured list. He's been their most reliable you know, non-starter, actually, you know, after you get certainly their third most reliable pitcher after you get past Gallon and Kelly the last two seasons. Cole Seltzer, who was brought in to be part of the relief core, he's on the 60-day injured list with a you know, shoulder injury. Mark Melanson on the 60-day injured list with a shoulder injury. Zach Davies on the 15-day injured list. He would certainly be, uh, you know, I think they're probably the third best starter if he were still healthy at this point. And then Corbin Martin, unfortunately, is out for the season on the 60-day injured list with a lat injury. He was part of the Zach, uh, Zach Greinke trade to Houston a few years ago. And also they have position players on the injured list. You know, Carson Kelly on the uh, 10-day IL, even though he's supposed to be out for several months with a forearm injury. He was hit by a pitch in spring training. And Kyle Lewis, who was off to a nice start, uh, is on the 10-day injured list. They've listed illness, but he's been on the 10-day injured list for some time now. So I think there's maybe more than an illness. Hopefully it's more than an illness because if it's an illness and he's still on the injured list, it might be more of a serious illness than we thought. As far as the updated NL West standings, the Dodgers sitting at 28-17 and 17 after being demolished last night in St. Louis. The Diamondbacks two games back in the loss column. San Francisco sitting at 20-23. At and 23. The Padres are fourth. They're almost dead last in the NL West. They're only one game ahead of the lowly Colorado Rockies. The Padres sitting at 20-24. Then Colorado sitting at 19-25 on this season. Also, one other local roundup item here. Another state championship for the Canyon Doro High School, Harvard of the Southwest, and Athlete Factory. On Monday at Tempe Diablo Stadium, uh, the fifth-seeded Dorados, that's right there, the Dorados, uh, beat the number two seed Scottsdale Saguaro, right down the street from where I'm sitting right now in my home. Uh, they beat Scottsdale Saguaro, the Canandoro High School, 4-1 to one for the 4-8 state championship. So yet another state championship for the mighty Dorados of Canandoro High School, the Canandoro High School. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show. With the National Roundup, that'll be top by the latest line and also some from the scoreboard. We get a little bit into the uh, the uh, game last night with the Nuggets taking a 2-0 lead over the Lakers in the Western Conference Final. Also, certainly some point spread implications in that game, depending on what number you might have received or if you bet on the game. You know, the Lakers... Uh, ended up going off as five and a half point underdogs. The game ended on five. And interesting way that they got to five is, uh, you know, the final few moments of that game. It could have gone up or down. It ended up at five. And if you had plus five and a half, 
raising my hand on this one. It was a pretty fortunate cover for you if you had the Lakers plus five and a half. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS HD2 100.7 from the NBA postseason scoreboard. The Nuggets still have not lost at home since March. Denver outscored Los Angeles 60-50 in the second half in the 108-103 victory last night. The Nuggets went on a 20-5 run to take a 96-84 lead before they held on for the 108-103 victory. Jamal Murray, 23 points in the fourth quarter. He finished with 37 overall, 10 rebounds, and also 5 assists. Nick Jokic, for a second straight game, did not make a field goal in the fourth quarter, and the Nuggets still won the game. It's the first time this postseason that the Lakers have lost consecutive games. So, topping the uh, latest line, next up is tonight, obviously, Miami and Boston. Talked about it in the preview that with Keith Smith, the uh, Celtic blog earlier this hour. And uh, the Celtics, a nine-point favorite at most betting shops around the world. Uh, total in that game is sitting at 216. Uh, total in that game opened at 214.5, but it has gone up to 216. There's even higher than that, few 216.5 in the state of Nevada. Tomorrow night, Denver against the Lakers as the uh, series moves to Los Angeles. And uh, the Lakers, uh, this game actually... Uh, the, the opening number was like four, and uh, there's uh, been you know, quite a bit of action here in the last hour or so, and the Lakers now up to five, five-and-a-half, pretty much everywhere, five-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, uh, total sitting at 223-and-a-half. Game uh, three of uh, Boston and Miami, as they change venues, is uh, Sunday at Miami. Then game four of the Lakers – and uh, Denver series will be on Monday night. And then game four of the Boston-Miami series will be on Tuesday night. Meanwhile, for the MLB scoreboard, the Yankees have won three. They ended up winning three of their four games in the, uh, let's call it, the, the spirited series against Toronto. It, it escalated even more last night. I mean, Aaron Boone and members of the Toronto coaching staff were screaming at each other from dugout to dugout. It was a lot of stuff going on in this series. Darren Judge, well, one thing that was consistent, he like hit a home run seemingly every at-bat, but not quite that bad but or good, depending on your viewpoint. He did have a two-run homer in the first inning last night, and the Yankees beat Toronto 4-2. to uh, The Yankees have now won 11 out of 16, coinciding with uh, getting a little healthier. Certainly Judge coming back helps. Nestor Cortez, who's been bad this season, was good last night. Two runs, five hits, six-plus innings. He snapped a four-start winless streak, struck out six, walked only one. Anthony Volpe, who's having a really good rookie season, also homered for the Yankees. They won, as I mentioned, three out of four in this series against Toronto. Uh, he had a homer on off, uh, homer off Nate Pearson in the ninth inning. That's his seventh home run of the season for Mr. Volpe. The Yankees, by the way, the Bronx Bombers apparently are back. They've hit 33 home runs in 17 games this month. 
And that's some without Judge and all of it without Giancarlo Stanton. The Mets have won back-to-back games for the first time since April 18th and the 19th. Pete Alonzo homered uh, yesterday as the Mets beat the Rays 3-2. And, uh, you know, not only did they win consecutive games, they did it against the Rays. Uh, that's actually also the first uh, series victory for the Mets in a month. They had lost six consecutive series before hosting Toronto, excuse me, Tampa of all teams. Scoring game was actually tied to two. Tommy Pham uh, hit a ground ball and got, it was a ground ball out, but he drove in the run to uh, give them the lead. Uh, U of A alum Taylor McGill, Tyler McGill, excuse me, uh, now four, five and two in the season, and he's been really valuable because a lot of their other pitchers have either been not good or hurt or both. Uh, McGill, six innings, two-run ball yesterday. David Robertson followed it up uh, and got the, his eighth save of the year. He did give up a uh, Randy or Rosarena uh, one-out double in the ninth inning to uh, you know, narrow the margin, but he held on for the victory. Diamondbacks tonight begin the three-game series at Pittsburgh. Gallon against Oviedo. Gallon and the Diamondbacks, a 175 road favorite tonight against uh, the Pirates. Total in this game sitting at seven and a half. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Stay tuned. In the next two hours, it'll be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include a Preakness preview and also more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.